0: Welcome everyone to seat Go Create. This is Tim Winders, your host. Mm, I tell you what, we're going to have a fun day today because I have learned some new words. Yes, we've got words like telos and liminal that this guy, Tim, being the educated person that I am, engineer from the state of Georgia, I have never heard. The guest today is going to educate me on those words. They're going to educate you. And I have read their books. I know a little bit about it, but you're going to want to stick around. Before I get to the guest, I want to remind you of something that I am just overflowing with and brimming with. Everything in my fiber is nervous and excited about this novel that I've just written. And I will tell you, the novel has a lot to do with our conversation today. Uh, it is a novel that I'm calling an inspirational fiction novel, and it is a character that is going through a hero's journey, going through a catalytic change in their life, and uh, they go through some very significant things. The title is Coach, A Story of Success Redefined, and I want to encourage everyone listening in, if you haven't already, depending on when you're listening, go to timwinders.com forward slash book. You'll be able to either download a few chapters for free or find out how you can go get the book. My guess is, is if you're listening in, our launch date is May 17th. You will have all, you will already be able to go to Amazon and all the other places to get my debut novel, Coach, a story of success redefined. Go check it out. I'd appreciate it greatly. Today on Seat Go Create, we have, I'm going to give the bio and then y'all know the drill. I'm going to ask him in his own words, what he does, But we've got trusted advisor and coach to the world's foremost leaders, leadership teams, and organizations. I love it already. Rick Simmons is the co-founder, CEO of the Telos Institute and author of the book, Unleashed, Harnessing the Power of Liminal. There's that word I mentioned earlier, liminal space. And uh, I've just finished reading the book. It's a great read. We're going to discuss that. Rick, welcome to seat Go, Create.
1: Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here and you're coming to us from, you said you're south of the border down in Mexico. I'm somewhere in southern Utah currently. Before we get going though, let's kind of pretend we bump into each other, either virtually like we're doing here or sitting on a plane or something like that. And uh, I say, hey, Rick, good to meet you. What do you do? What do you usually tell people?
1: Yeah, and you got it right a moment ago. As a trusted advisor, a coach coach, to some of the foremost uh, leaders, leadership teams, and organizations around the world. Uh, at, at the core, Tim, I'm an amplifier. Uh, it's my job to come into the room and to take all of that greatness, all of that ambition, all of that intellect and and courage and help amplify it in a choiceful direction. You know, it's so easy in this world today to get distracted uh, to, to take a path uh, sort of unconsciously, and so to get clear about direction, to really be armed with an awareness of one's skills and strengths and deploy that in, in a direction is really at the core what we do. And I will say that in our work, that's often has professional ramifications, but uh, it certainly has impact on one's personal life as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, all right. All of that's beautiful and I want to start getting into defining things like liminal telos and things like that. But I've got, I want to ask a question because this is odd, Rick, but you know, I could have closed my eyes and that could have been almost me telling people what I believe that I do at times. Now, and I don't mean to say that to belittle anything that you do. I, I hold that in great honor. And I, and I have had this thought recently with all this going on in the world. That I'm in the right place in the right time for what I have in my heart. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I, re- I really do. You know, when when we when we had this notion of a book in our mind, Tim. Um, which, by the way, just if I may, just step back a bit. It was never my life's ambition to write a book. Um, you know, the the journey of writing Unleashed was. Uh, where a client asked us, hey, where can I learn more about that? Where, where, where do I learn more about this word in the middle that you guys are using? And then, and then 10 clients asked, and 50 and 100, and we thought, wait, maybe we ought to write some of this stuff down, right? And, uh, and so we, we sort of felt um, pulled to write a book. We weren't pushing to, towards doing that. Um, but, but it's interesting that, that it was well before the pandemic uh, or, or some of the things that are happening even today in this very moment um, that we had the idea for writing the book. And I will say it it certainly felt, um, oh, I can, may I say, preordained that maybe this this text and this reference piece would be available for people in the midst of this global turmoil. It really felt that way, and I think um, we feel a, a healthy dose of responsibility to get that message out.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing that's interesting about what you bring up, and I, I wanted – as I was making my notes and reading through the book, I wanted so much to not use examples and things that have come up in the previous two years with pandemic and social events. And, you know, as we're recording this, there's some conflict over in the Ukraine and all oh, I'm hopeful by the time people listen in, some of this has been resolved. I really wanted it to be like more like today and current but I just I don't think we can do that. Those are not the lives that we are currently living. So was the you, you did have a seed of the book prior to March of 2020, correct? I mean, you didn't like go into pandemic mode and start writing, right?
1: No, not at all. We, we in fact, the process started well before uh, the pandemic was was ever the case. I think, Tim, what 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 occurred to us was just more broadly speaking, like the world itself. Is, is more indisputably volatile and uncertain and, and complex and ambiguous than ever before. And I, I sort of tend to go to the data a bit. You know, if you, if you go back to 1955, the average lifespan of an S&P 500 company at that time was, was 75 years. That was the average, you know, birth to death time, time, uh, span for a, for an S&P 500 company. Today it's less than 15 years. And so the life cycle of almost everything in our in our lives today are accelerating at an accelerating rate. And we felt like there needed to be a reference piece, a reference guide for how to manage and not just manage and navigate, but maybe leverage for our collective benefit these these disruptive periods.
0: Hmm. And all right, there's one thing I do want to push back on, but I believe you, but I I want to kind of Play, play a little bit of an advocate against something. Do we, are we arrogant today to think that our times are so volatile and, and challenging? Uh, here's I'm a history guy. I think you're a history guy too. You say you check data and, and I, I've been reading some Old Testament things recently about the the nation of Israel when they're going through the Exodus, and and then also I've studied a lot of Civil War history, a lot of World War One, World War Two, and I and I think to myself, what would I be like in 1941? Let's say late 1941 or 1942, 43. And so I ask you that question, not really as a pushback, but maybe a little bit. Are are we a little bit, are we soft? Are we arrogant thinking, oh, the times have never been like they are today, or is that valid?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I I would say a number of things in there can both be true. First off, being we are soft for sure. I think there's no there's no doubt about that. Um, and I think they're I think they're hard in different ways. Whether they're harder than they were before I, I uh, you know, we could talk at length about that. I think they're harder. I think they're hard in this way today. The, the amount of the switching costs that are associated with the amount of information that we have access to the nanosecond access to new information and the volumes of information are, I think, indisputably different than it was during the Civil War, or the Revolutionary War, or different, um, you know, epoch-like uh, events that have occurred, I think the amount of information that we're thrust with processing, making meaning of, making sense of, is different. It, it, in some ways, that's probably easier and harder, right? You know, there's a, uh, we, we could talk at length about that too, but I think it's hard and probably hard in different ways than it was hard in the past.
0: Yeah, and you know, we are, uh, I'm, I'm 58 years old, so I'm still, I have memory of pre-digital connected age. Uh, our, our grown children are, you know, late twenties and thirty and, and they don't really have memory of being disconnected. They've been connected. We've got now a grandchild and about to have another one on the way. They won't know being disconnected. And uh, I think I've, heard it said that, you know, in the early 90s or late 80s, we had like 20 things that came at us a day, and now we're getting 2,000 plus. I mean, as I'm sitting here, you're probably sitting there too. I've got laptop in front of me. I've got a phone to my left. I've got an iPad to my left. I've got a, a, a remarkable digital pad, and then I've got a stack of books over here. I've got stuff And I'm in a space that's the size of less than a closet, you know, in my RV here. But yet I've got access to massive amounts of info. And I'm going to jump into something that I think you guys do at your company. And and I still have some definitions I'm going to get to in a little bit because I know the people listening are going, what is this liminal and what does this tell us? But you talk about something called a leadership venture that has just been rolling around in my head for the last few nights as I've been reading your book. And, and to me, I've asked myself the question and you could, I'm going to allow you to tell people what that is when, when I throw it back over to you. And then I'm going to also, also going to ask you, why is it so critical in the world we're in today? Because I'm not sure that people would have talked about that as much 30 years ago, 50 years ago, et cetera. So what is it and why is it critical today?
1: Yeah, th- the, le- the leadership
0: question. venture. I don't. Did I say leadership venture? Yeah. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. And did I get that right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we 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 talk about um, these these curated moments of disruption uh, or discontinuity, and and you know in, in, in Telos vernacular, this this runs from a from a partial day all the way to a multi-week kind of experience. This this continuum of liminal intensives, we call them. And and a leadership venture is really one of the, the most immersive experiences on that continuum. We might take a group of, of CEOs to Patagonia for, for two weeks, right? Uh, we might take a, a leadership team to the Grand Canyon, hike them uh, all the way down, dip their toe in the, in the Colorado. And, and just as an example, Tim, when we think about these, um, have you been to the Grand Canyon?
0: I have, yeah. I'm not far from it now. I'm just a few hundred miles north of it, so yeah, it's phenomenal.
1: Many of your listeners probably have, and interesting, interestingly, 6 million people a year go there, highly trafficked high traffic location, um, and yet less than 2% of the people that go to the canyon ever step a single toe into it. Less than 1% of the people ever stay overnight below rim. And far less than that ever hike all the way down in, dip their toe in the Colorado and come out. These, these are true 1% experiences. And on a TELUS leadership venture, you do all of those things when you go to the canyon and similarly to all the locations we go around the world. So these are really meant to be distinctive experiences and oftentimes for people who are themselves a bit distinctive and they're looking for something where they can test their edge. Now, to your point, why are they doing today? And I think it, it actually Gets back to your question about why in some ways it maybe it's harder and in some ways it's easier today because so much information is coming at us. It often robs us of finding the insights that actually are within us. And that's really the essence of a leadership venture. How do we, you know, rip folks out of their corner offices, get them in a, a disruptive, a productively disruptive environment. That allows them to look inside a bit, and and there's actually some science around this. You know what we call the three-day effect. It's very difficult to to find some of the inner uh, wisdom that exists if we're only you know on a on a hike for 45 minutes or even half a day. Really to to get full access to that inner wisdom, we've really got to immerse ourselves for three days and beyond before we can really find some of that intense clarity. And that's, you know, programming, specific programming aside, that's really the essence of why that offering was created and I think why people find it so valuable.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that, as I was reading through the book Unleashed, I, I kept saying to myself, and, and maybe I've been beating this drum for a while too, is that people aren't taking the time to be quiet, still, and think anymore. And maybe one of the reasons that I bring that up, Rick, is that even though I'm fully aware of it, I'm not sure that I do it enough. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, I mean, is, is that part of it? And why don't you go ahead for us during this time and go ahead and start unpacking what we mean by that term liminal? And uh, and maybe address some of the things so that we can kind of go a little bit deeper into some of the concepts you guys talk about and work with in the book.
1: Yeah. And I think I think the work that you do, Tim, the work that we do essentially in this world, it serves as a prompt. I think, you know, many of us know the right activities and many of the best of us need a healthy and productive challenge or prompt to lead us into those behaviors and those activities that we already know are in our best interest, but it's hard to fight convention. It's hard to fight, um, you know, the, the scroll through your your Twitter feed and, and set that down and move on to the more productive activities. Well, and I, you mentioned this word liminal, um, you know, by Wester's definition, it's, it, it, if you, if you crack that open, it, it is a word that essentially means betwixt and between or, a threshold. You know, there was a moment I was in this room, there will be a moment that I'm in the next room, but then there's that that threshold where you're neither in that room or the other room. And, 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 you know, often is the case in life, whether, whether it be thrust into this in-between period through the loss of a loved one. There was a time that, That my father was here, and there's certainly a time now, it's been years since he wasn't, but the shock and the suddenness of that change thrust me personally into a liminal space. Mm -hmm. At Telos, Telos, we we define liminal space as a period of discontinuity that creates an openness to change. Period of discontinuity, a, a pattern breaking moment. That, that disproportionately opens us up to other changes that may be possible. Mm. And, and I think as, as human beings, we're, we're many things. Pattern recognizing, mimicking machines, certainly one of those things. So it's very, very hard to get human beings to think differently, to act differently, it's such a part of our constitution that sometimes um, we need these disruptive, discontinuous elements in our lives to raise our attention to the fact that things could. Mm.
0: Yeah, we may have had a hiccup there. I'm not sure. But um, the a question that I have related to that, I just wrote down the period of discontinuity so that people can have an openness to change. Now, first thing that I'm going to ask is, what if we don't want change? (laughs) What if everything in our fiber, and I think we saw this culturally over the last few years, we saw it as society, is that certain people handled it better than others. Some people wanted things a certain way, and we're not going to get into right or wrong in that. But to, to me, it was just a lot of people that wanted back to normal they wanted things the way they were different things like that and i'm not even sure how to define normal but discuss that is there a way that we can avoid change or do people like you and i never run across those type people because we're just in we're just in and around people that are always embracing change i I wonder about that at times
1: yeah for sure and i think that, that that each of the words that we chose in that definition i think are really important to us and it's it's this um, this discontinuity that creates an openness to change. Now, in our work, and in fact, in fact, I can I can think of a, a recent leadership venture where we where we took a team, and and the change that occurred for them was a stronger degree of resolve of the path that they were already on they were spending a lot of brain space considering all of these various pathways that their organization could take as a leadership team. And what they came back with was a greater sense of devotion to current path. And so change can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Explicitly, you may not have recognized any change from the outside of that organization, but inside they were now locked in a way that they had never been before. So change can happen explicitly, implicitly, internally, externally. And for them, that was a change.
0: Hmm. So one of the things, and I know you guys cover this, cover this in the book, but I want to ask here, how did Rick, and I know Amy worked with you on this too, These the, the concepts, but how did this play out in Rick's life? One of the things we don't shy away from here at at Create, as we talk about redefining success. I have, I've been very candid about some of these liminal situations that I've had, um, and and a lot of these not necessarily um, curated, but. I'll call it an external catalytic event that's occurred. You know, the death of a relative that you just mentioned is something that we not can necessarily control, but yet it has impact there. Tell me some things that Rick has gone through that, uh, that has impacted his thinking and thought process on this topic.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, um, I will, uh, I will see your question and I will, I will certainly meet you there, Tim. I, uh, Many years ago, as a a younger man, I was uh, pre-Telos Institute. I was um, working, uh, you know, an untenable number of hours, as we often do earlier in our careers. And whether that was asked of us or not, you know, we 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 um, we uh, we subscribed to some of that societal expectation. I think, and I certainly did at that point. And I was on the way to the hospital to visit my mother, who had had a stint put in, and. It was one of those moments, maybe, maybe we've all had these moments over, over time that I could, I was so enthralled with what I was thinking about and where I had been and where I needed to go that I, I couldn't even remember how I got into the hospital. I like drove into a parking spot and I was like, how did I even get here? I was so consumed with, with the other elements of life. I, I'm not proud to tell you that as I was heading to see my mother in the hospital and I went in and I saw her and Tim, she just, she just looked so bad. Uh, she was so pale and, and looked unhealthy. And it was one of those cold bucket of water moments, um, that I went out into the hospital and I wrote down three or four things that I'd gotten so far away from in my life. And I was about eight, nine years out of college undergrad at that point. And one of those was that I used to be an athlete. I was a, I was a uh, college baseball player and, and being active was such a part of my life and how did I get so far away from that and that I committed to the next morning I was going to go out for a run Tim and I did the alarm went off at 5:30, and I got up and I, I hit the, the neighbor, our neighborhood and I was going to just do a couple of mile jog just get the blood flowing and I couldn't make it two miles I walked the last half mile in and I'd wondered what had happened to me and the moment of seeing my mother, um, the, the moment of, of uh, shame that I felt not being able to complete that run were both the buckets of water over my head that, that set me on a trajectory because the next morning I went out for, for another run and I went, I went a, few, a few mailboxes farther. And I went out the next morning, and I went a few mailboxes farther after that, and it set me on a journey of a few decades of finding where my edge was from a running standpoint. But it was really a, a more, a lot more than just about running. It was finding, it was finding myself in those miles.
0: Mm. Interesting. The, the thought that came to mind while you were sharing that was. I I always wonder if these type situations if everyone has to go through something like this um y'all reference the hero's journey in the book and and you know some things I've just written it's it's like a hero's journey it's real funny with my wife she she doesn't like conflict in movies and TV shows and all that what she doesn't understand is no one really would watch anything if they didn't have some degree of tension or conflict. And the thing that I've tried to put thought into, and I'd love to know your input on this too, do, do we believe, do you believe that everyone is going to have to go through something like that, like your situation, like my situation with the 2008 downturn or something like that? And then I'm also wondering, do most organizations go through something like that? What are your thoughts?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's a really intriguing question. Do, do, do I feel it has to happen? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it has to be that way. I think that, 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 that the, the spark of course correction can come in many different forms and in many different ways. Do I think that there is a, a, a steady uh, stream, a renewable resource that exists a predictable stream of, of renewable resource that exists in our lives, the journeys personally and professionally uh, individually, a team or organization that we call liminal spaces, these disruptions that occur along the way that if we're aware of them, we're aware of their existence such that when they happen, we can better leverage them. That I believe for sure. But I mm-hmm. think that, that, that there are folks in this world that, that can be extremely contemplative, extremely thoughtful and think their way into reconsideration. Um, mm. so I think that, that the, the source and the spark of course correct can come in many different ways. I just think that these disruptive moments are so ripe and, and so uh, renewable for us that we're just smart to be aware that, that they exist and we can, we can leverage them.
0: So I, I actually, I wasn't really deceptive in the way I asked that question, but I actually had a, a second follow-up question that I don't think is a trick question, but it's one that has a little bit more at stake to it, I think. And that is we have grown children. I believe you have children. I don't know what ages they are. They are but, but one of the things that as parents we do, let's talk about this parenthood for a second, not the business world because sometimes that's a little bit different but not really. We want to take away a lot of the discomfort or the uh, discontinuity or different things like that from their lives, but yet we also sit back and go, "You know what, had we not been through some of that ourselves, we wouldn't be who we are today. Have you thought about this process and 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 this this concept with with our children and in family situations? What about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, in full disclosure, we have four children ages 18 to 24. So we've, we've, uh, So you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, well, uh, an interesting story, uh, going, going back, uh, some time, our oldest was, was having a, a, a bumpy time in fifth grade. I'm going back many years now, right? And as the story goes famously, and I've said this, uh, I've shared this story many times with Amy, uh, uh present and not. So I, I've got the, the go ahead to share the story when she's not here. Um, uh, I think that as any, as any good parent would do in wanting to protect our children from harm's way, uh, she was, um, fully invested in Kyle's, um, uh, fifth grade experience. To the point where one day I casually uh, mentioned to her that she was she was doing awfully well in fifth grade this year, and uh, and you know to, to her to her full credit she she uh, began to instantly react and then paused and said I get it I get it and and really found the strength as a mother to resist the temptation to rob Kyle of of the challenges he was facing in fifth grade. And given the opportunity to face those challenges on on his own, he rose to the level of those challenges. He managed those, and it made sixth, seventh, eighth grade you know a real home run for him. He found all kinds of new challenges after that. But but um, but I think you get my point, Tim. And and so you know I, I certainly think that there, there's you know our lives are filled with stories of overcoming those challenges, and I think that's that's often the The way that we learn, um, you know, overcoming and confronting those challenges. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a student of the game of change, I would say there can be other routes, but certainly overcoming challenges is a real common, common route to take.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm always curious about that because very similar to, Conversation you and Amy had some years ago about Kyle, uh, my wife and I every once in a while will have a conversation about, you know, are we doing too much? Should we not be doing and all of that. Anyway, that's that. I think that's just parenting and and fortunately. We aren't uh, related to a lot of the people we interact with. I think we love them and we want them to succeed in the business world, but fortunately they don't carry our DNA with them and have all of that uh, that going on. One of the things that I think is a real, I, I'll call it tension. I don't even know if that's the right word, but friction maybe, is there is a culture in our Okay. you know, we're obviously we're you're not in America right now, but we're, you know, North America, uh, Western world culture. I'll call it the Greco Roman uh style of uh habit. We compartmentalize our, our compartmentalize our lives. Um and you, you know, the um we I mean, I'm a creature of habit. I love getting up at a certain time, doing a certain thing, doing this, this, and this. I live in an RV, so my wife and I have to coordinate that. But I also know that I need to shake that up every once in a while. That's kind of what I observe you guys do with the, uh, with the, you know, the leadership ventures. You pull people out of their, I don't want to say their rut, but their normal habit and routine. Talk a little bit about how, you know, we'll say the power of habit, which is, great that's how we achieve and accomplish, but why it's important to at times break those habits and go into a a, a state of as you were a period of discontinuity <laughs> that uh, that allows us to see things differently and get a different vision and view of of what our world could be like
1: yeah well and i, and I think I think it's helpful to. To, to dissect some of those concepts as, as well, uh, Tim. I, th- I think it's easy to want to uh, to be binary about those things. You know, do I maintain habits or do I break them? Like, and I, I think it's I think it's worth drilling down a little bit on that. In, in that, again, you know, as human beings, we're we're pattern recognizing, mimicking machines, as I mentioned earlier, and so it's one of the things that makes great. Um, and important to remember that everything we do on some level works for us, even if it appears on the surface that that's destructive behavior somewhere in our mental, emotional, spiritual uh, cells. There is something about that that is feeding and serving an end or a need. So I think it's really important to just acknowledge and honor that whatever those habits or patterns or behaviors are right now, they are serving us on some level. Now, identifying what that end is and, and having a, an explicit discussion with oneself about whether that is the end that you want to serve with that, that behavior or that pattern or whatever uh, that is, 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 a, is certainly an opportunity. And the second thing I would say is that um, as human beings... Um, we are unwilling to change until we know what won't. So when we come into a room with a leader who's declared that they want to make some changes or the team says things have to be different or the organization says, you know, uh, we're planting a flag on new changes, we actually resist the temptation to talk about what's going to be different and we start with what's, what's going to be enduring. What will be true forever on this team Let's, let's catalog that probably long list of things, our commitment to our purpose, the, you know, the, the way we work together, all of these things. And then you're left with this shorter list of things that could or maybe should be different, but now it's much more manageable. We all have some firm footing under us about what's gonna be the same. So we have, you know, knees are bent, Feet or shoulder width apart, ready for it. Now we can tackle the things that might be different. But I know that sounds so simple, but the ordering of those things is just utterly important. What will always be true and enduring now as human beings we're capable of of absorbing and considering what might be different next.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Both both you and I are in a seat or in a role that we feel probably strongly that sometimes people need guidance in going through these processes. But uh, I want to ask this, and we both we, we ask this with humility. Can someone do this process on their own? Can someone that's listening in right now go, you know what, I like what Rick has to say. I'm going to get the book, I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to make this happen on my own. Do you think they could do
1: that? Yeah. Well, and and I think I think I I think about this more like a like a a dial on a stove or on a stereo than I do a flip of a switch, right? I think that that there is a self study, a, a self authored track along this work where someone can get it to a certain point. I think that that one on their own can can do it at a certain pace. The the folks that call the Telos Institute. Are people that don't have the luxury of time or incompleteness. So they need both a complete pivot, a complete answer to a pathway of transformation, and they need it done in an accelerated, an appropriately accelerated manner. And so I would say if, if time and completeness are no issues, I think one can, can, can uh, author a path towards, towards transformation. But if, if time is not a luxury and, and, and a, a true, complete, transformative path is what is desired, that's really hard to do on one's, on one's own.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. A lot of the examples you all gave in, uh, in the book, there was some form of usually an event, something that happened, someone was thrust from a COO to the CEO role, Somewhat unexpectedly, uh, you know there was a change in. Uh, I like the examples you gave with the Smuckers organization, which everyone knows that name, and you know most people don't consider an organization that's been around for decades to have to go through this. But yet they they had significant change in their industry, and y'all laid that out well. I'll let the the I'll let the listener go get the book and get more details on that. But um, I I do find it interesting, and I I, I love what you said. Because I, one of the things I want to make sure that I don't do is spend time in an echo chamber where I'm just getting a certain perspective. And very similar to you, Rick, you know, the people that come to me, they're usually ready or they're close to ready or we could find out if they are and things like that. I do wonder at times what the masses are doing. And, and as a, as a someone who's putting out a podcast here, I'm sitting here going, what can Rick and I do or what specifically can Rick do? Yeah, we could say go get the book and all, but what could we say or do here for someone who is probably not going to engage or they may not engage at a corporate level or executive level? What's a micro thing that people can do, Rick, that might help them deal with some of this, you know, a period of discontinuity, something that allows them to be open to change because we're going to have it. We're coming out of some things, but we know we're going to have more coming up. Give just a few micro tips just for the person that might be listening in.
1: Yeah. I love this question, Tim. Um, I love that you framed it because I think we can get a little esoteric and and philosophical about this from time to time, myself included. And, and uh, I, I'll share a quick story because I think, I think this, what I'll call liminal agility if I can use that term, this ability to to not just survive and navigate these disruptive moments, but really leverage them for all all the possibility that they hold. I think looking at it like a as that it's a fitness level we can obtain, I think is, is helpful. And I'll share a, a story. I years ago, I conducted a, a social experiment with myself and the experiment was this for two weeks minimum. I committed myself to two weeks. I was going to drive no faster than the speed limit for that entire two weeks, and at that time, I was on the road a lot. For those that know me even pretty well, they would they would tell you that I typically would drive no slower than the speed limit where I'm going. So this was this was a disruptive um, uh, set of two weeks for me, Tim. I saw things, I heard things. I experienced things I had never experienced. I had been down these roads thousands of times. I'd been by that building hundreds of times. And yet I had a completely different two week experience. It, it taught me that I had to be, I had to change up where people sit in our office just because it was time to, to be mildly disruptive and provide people some some fitness level around those small changes. So that was a real portal for me, and I would just encourage you know your listeners today to be creative about small things they can do. Precisely to your question, that can open the, their eyes to how small changes can yield big shifts in perspective and understanding.
0: Hmm. You know, it came to my mind as you were doing that. So let, we're talking little things now. I um, I am predominantly left-handed. But I'm sort of ambidextrous. And uh, I've got a little toothbrush. It's a little electric thing that I use. And I actually noticed that my gums on my left side were just feeling a little more sensitive than normal. And so about a week or so ago, I decided I was going to begin brushing my teeth right-handed. So small, little, I mean, again, people are like going, man, these guys were talking like change the world. And now they're talking about changing which hand they brush their teeth with. But is that, that's an example of what we're talking about. Right. And I've noticed, I'm sitting here doing it going, all right, I'm not doing it as hard. I'm more light on, you know, and I'm like, this is kind of cool to, you know, I'm going to mature guy all of a sudden saying, I'm going to start brushing my teeth with a different hand. Very
1: similar. Is that correct? Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and it, it precisely. And, and, and I'm sure, you know, any of us can sort of think about those times when those small shifts yielded some changes. And, and I think the, the real invitation, there's a couple of invitations in Unleashed, but one of those is to, 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 to understand that we can curate some of those. Moments. Like we all have stories of uh, as we mentioned earlier, loss of a loved one, a, a job change, a job loss, or you know, fill in a divorce, things like that, um, that are hard and painful, and some of them are unpredictable. But I think we can be, we can prepare ourselves, as I did for those two weeks, or you can prepare yourselves, or you can predispose yourself to. Hmm, I wonder what I'm going to learn here, because the power in these periods is really what you're learning. It's a little bit less about Rick you know, driving at a certain pace. It was all the learning that came from that change in or that break-in pattern, much like the break-in pattern you just talked about.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, Speaking of unleashed, I'm actually just scrolling here looking through the highlights that uh, over the last two and a half days I've actually read through the book. First of all, I want to applaud you being a uh I've tried to become more cultured but I grew up in the south and anytime someone can take a book that has so much depth and meaning and have a days of thunder NASCAR reference in it we're not going to let the we are not going to let the listener know what we're referencing they're going to have to get the book but I did highlight wow he just went days of thunder example here whoa oh. man that is that is awesome so rub,
1: anyway. rub, rub it is racing.
0: <laughs> That's right. And I can still see Robert Duvall slapping that tire saying, Boy, you can see what you did here and this is how you do it right here. and then Tom Cruise, yeah. So he, good. Anyway. So, good. so yeah, 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 yeah. So um all right, so I'm gonna hit a few of my highlights in the in the time that we have remaining. But um for you know, a question I love to ask authors, what'd you learn about yourself during the writing process? I actually have just as I've gone through writing something, it literally has opened up chasms inside of me that I never knew existed. What'd you learn about Rick while you were going through this process?
1: Mm. No one's asked me that yet, Tim.
0: Ah, oh my goodness. Well, do we need to move on? Can right. no. I'm no, sure no, 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 you no. Can.
1: We're we're here. We're here in session with Rick Simmons, right? Um, <laughs> no, that's a that's a great question.
0: I just hope you don't say, "Well, Amy wrote it all." I just put my name <laughs> that's on. Right. It. Just... Yeah, yeah. It was
1: fun watching her. Yeah, um, she was awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I will say it. It, 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 it probably is a, a question about what what I learned and what we learned together. I think we relearned that part of what has made Telos possible is the the wildly diverse skill set that she, that she and I have. The the complementary uh, aspects. We've seen a lot of friends, a lot of graduate school classmates of ours that, that launched off to start different ventures. And and they were just so similar, Tim. And I think that what has been really helpful, I mean, now it's, a, a you know, big teams and things like that. But in the early days, it was the complementary perspectives and skill sets. And I think we saw that on display as we were writing the book. Um, you know, when I, when, when she methodically was thinking through what the next sort of Gate would be in, in, in the construction of the book. I had a story to share, right? You know, and then, and then as I thought of another story, she was able to say that, well, wow, that's, that's two, two dominoes down, but we'll, we'll, we'll harbor. So I think we learned that what worked about writing the book for us. Was also a lot about you know what got us out of the spare bedroom, if you will. You know, kind of got Mm -hmm. us from from just the two of us and allowed us to start building an organization. A lot of those same skills are still at play, and I think you know more personally. I think it allowed us to appreciate that in a way that we hadn't really thought about or appreciated in a long time.
0: And and you know, another thing I just thought of. This is kind of like giving the listener behind the curtain. One of the things that happens is that you do this more than you probably did before you had a book correct being interviewed you open i mean right before we hit record you said by the way i'm usually the one asking questions i'm the coach i'm the guy that's digging and you know trying to find you know the the you know how to make the situation better and so i just want you i mean so so this has got to be kind of different for you right
1: yeah it is and as you know as i shared off air um it's it's a this is a period of discontinuity for me you know to your to your point i i i i find my significance tim by helping other people discover their own significance so to be um talking so much in a session like this is really is really different and uh and um you know productively disrupted for me in some ways so thank <laughs> well, you I'm, just
0: ex- I'm excited that i can be a part of disrupting you in some <laughs> In some way. So. Yes. yes, for sure. There's a highlight that I have here from the book. A couple of questions here as we kind of get close to wrapping up. Uh, the listener knows that sometimes I'll do a few approaches before we actually <laughs> go for a landing. Yes. Um, I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to let you share some things about it. I think we've talked about it some, but uh, I don't even know what chapter it is. It's page 97 in my digital thing here, but we believe that catalyzing our own transitions builds the muscle for navigating those we don't initiate. And the reason that means so much to me is you're thinking through maybe a response to that or what you'd like to add to it or whatever, is because one of the most significant uh, transitions that I went through was post Uh, 2008 with multiple companies, seven figures, the, the listener that's been around has heard the story before. And one of the things I put a lot of thought into is if there's anything I could have done differently or whatever. I'm so thankful of who I am now, but I wondered if I could have duplicated that without going through it. So talk a little bit more about that. And anyway, I think you've got the quote there. So you know, you know, the, the theory because I, I believe everyone wrestles with that to some extent maybe I'm wrong anyway
1: yeah. well, I'm just I'm letting that wash over me a little bit Tim um because he- hearing hearing not just hearing you share that on um, as much feeling you share that because mm-hmm. I can I can I can feel the vibration and how you speak about that and I think we all yeah. we all have those kinds of vibrating moments um you know, I, I I believe that that we are all the best version of ourselves that we're capable of being in every moment. Like I'm I'm the best I can be right now, and and I reserve the I reserve the right that I can be a better version of me tomorrow. Um, and I also honor and acknowledge that the Rick of 20 years ago was just doing the best he could with everything that he knew. He he wasn't he wasn't trying to be less than than who he was capable of then tim tim showed up the very best he could when he was navigating those those choppy waters back then could you have done something different i don't know but i believe you did everything you were capable of, of doing at that time you know I, and if i if i can share a quick story and i know we're we're time constrained here yeah, but we're good go ahead um you know there there was a a really formative moment for me. I, I share the story of, of beginning to run, and that, that journey of running led to um, really finding and testing my edge from different distances, and I found myself in a a 24-hour foot race, the, the, the details of which are less important at this point, but you can imagine the training and the the logistics and the preparation that goes into something like that, and 11 hours into this endeavor, I was behind pace, and and, uh, frustrated with myself and, and, really gripping it, if you will. And every hour of my crew would ask me a set of five questions and I come around for what was now hour 12. I was halfway through. It had been much hotter that day than it planned. And, uh, you know, the questions were, uh, akin to what's your goal. And I was 24 to hundred. I was going to go the full 24 hours and run at least a you know, what's been most helpful, what's been most challenging, you know, capturing a little data about what goes to the heart and mind of someone that that runs for a long time. I come around for hour 12 and and Amy, in this case, uh, asks me, what's your goal? And I had this sort of, the only way I can describe it is somewhat out of body uh, response to that question, Tim, where I'd said to just, to just be okay with me no matter how far I go. And I, I feel that emotion literally in this moment every time I share that story. Um, because it opened a window for me and it opened a window for me that when, when we're too far into something to stop, but yet not far enough in to know how it's fully going to play out, we learn a lot about ourselves there. For me, that's the essence of, of liminal space. And, and I can't say that the story ends this way in every situation or for everybody. But I, I proceeded to run the next 12 hours faster than I ran the first 12 hours. And I think mm. what we find is there is a gear within us all that can get unleashed and, and accessed when we, when we turn ourselves over fully to an experience. And, and I felt like that's what happened in that moment for me.
0: Yeah, and the, the, the reason that that story is so powerful, I think you referenced that in the book with some more detail, too, that people can check out is that most of us have this goal, and I'll use the word maniacal mindset of we've got to do this. I mean, I, I, I've joked with people back in the 90s. I used to, you know, at the beginning of every year, I'd have like 20-something pages of goals and things like that. And, you know, they I think they serve me well. But then, you know, you go through a situation or you're in a long race like you were. You all of a sudden think to yourself and say, you know what? I'm not so sure that that was the right goal. Or better yet, what I heard you say was your mindset wasn't right. You were focusing on something and all that. I I mean, it's one of the reasons why the theme of this show is redefining success. Because many times we're chasing after something that might be the wrong thing, but we're so, I use the word maniacal, narrow about it. We can't see what that bigger picture might be. And um, what I what I love about this whole concept of this liminal uh, space and what you guys are talking about is that you are doing that powerful messaging that you just shared where we're giving ourselves the grace and the space, the white space, to allow that to happen. I mean, I'm a spiritual guy, a follower of Christ. I believe some of that is spiritual. Some people might, you know, it might be universe. It might be something else. But for me, I believe it's the Holy Spirit saying, maybe now that you're quiet, <laughs> you can hear what I'd really like for you to do. And then you could relax and, you know, make the goals in the race. I I think that is so powerful, uh, Rick. Another thing you brought up in the book, there's one more word that we'll talk about and and then we'll get close to wrapping here again is um successfully leading a team requires both confidence and humility just this morning i was spending some time in prayer and writing some journaling things and and i felt as if there was there was a time in my life that i probably was a little bit too brash and i needed humility and then there's been times that i I probably have been a little bit softer and all, and I needed to be a little more um, got any insight on how we can be both confident and humility and I do want to honor you you this conversation when I first was doing research i 'm going this is a big deal of a guy. he could be really, really confident. your humility just oozes through the zoom here and I just want to say I love that and I I recognize that and want to honor that so I want to thank you for that how do we balance confidence and humility though
1: thank you for that tim you know and, and we've actually done a lot of research on on uh, followership so what mm. followers say about who they who, who who they follow into the into the fray right and 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 where this comes from is that they they kept referring to this this duality of an experience that they have that that the person was was, and they wouldn't always use this language, but essentially, um, they had these 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 two attributes. Now, here's the rub, Tim, is that what they would talk about is not that the leader was confident in this part of the relationship or at this moment, you know, and then they turned that off and then they were humble over here or they, you know, exercised the humility that there was a dynamic that it was interwoven in itself more consistently, like all the time. And I think what, what we have found in then spending time with those leaders is that they, they are confident in the belief that they themselves and those around them can be great. They are Unabashed about that and equally clear that they and their team cannot do it alone. And it seems to me that the intersection of those two things, a belief, an an enduring belief that that greatness is within and it's it's available to us and, and not shy about declaring that and equally resolute that we cannot do it alone. So we've got to go arm and arm. That seems to be the mindset that gets leaders in the right slot, and 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 gives followers what they want.
0: Mm. That was that was worth a worth a listen right there. That's a good clip that we'll pull out to use. Um, I think that's a good landing point for something. But I've got a I've got a logistics question I want to ask. I actually got a copy of Unleashed, the digital version. And I'm thinking about this right now because we just finished formatting book cover and some other things for the project I'm working on. And I noticed that the title unleashed, there's no caps. And I noticed throughout the book, the chapter headings, there were no capitalizations. And I'm reading it going, I don't think this was just a mistake
1: Am I correct? You are you are correct, Tim. You're very observant. Uh makes you great at what you do. Um we we, we talk a lot about uh, a lowercase approach at, at Telos, Tim, and and all of our, our of our marketing, whenever you see Telos uh, in public or, or not, um it's always lowercase because it is a it is a tangible, visible reminder for us and for those that interact with us. That all of the genius, all of the greatness, all of the ambition and creativity and and, and horsepower that that's necessary for you to get where you want to go, it's on the other side of the screen. We are simply a liberating component in that. We're we're not we're not operating in expert mode. We're operating in liberating mode, and it reminds us of that all the time. Mm,
0: that was good. I'm so glad I asked that. And I'm sitting here thinking about your tagline should be something like lowercase relationships in an uppercase world or something mm. like that. Mm, <laughs> I mean, love that. literally, you guys are, there's just a certain, there's so much, like I said, humility and, and there's confidence there. And I love it so much, Rick. I've loved the conversation. Where can people connect with you? And find you. We're going to include things down in the notes and links and all of that in detail. I'll mention that in just a moment. But where where do you want someone to go if they're listening in and say, "Hey, I need more of Rick," or "I'd love to meet Amy," or somebody on the team? Where, where do they where do they need to go?
1: Yeah. So the the, the website's a good landing page there. www. dot com um, and that's a good portal for a, a number of different things. Uh, access to an author's page for learning a little bit more about Amy and myself and uh, and Unleashed. Of course, there's click-throughs there to, uh, for the book. Um, you can also go to any of your favorite book-buying platforms and get a copy of Unleashed, Harnessing the Power of Limitless Space, Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble. All of those platforms have a book available. Um, we also have a podcast, um, Tim, that that supports um this notion of uh, unleashed, and essentially, it's an ongoing series of interviews with people who have had their own liminal space moment, uh, where they have faced uh, disruption and how uh, they navigated and and harnessed and leveraged those periods uh, as encouragement for all of us to to do the same. So um, you can find that on all your favorite listening uh, platforms, Spotify, uh, iTunes, etc. So those are some good good places to get going
0: yeah and you know what in in my research, I missed the podcast, so I feel somewhat uh slack because I missed that, but I will say that anyone that listens in here will enjoy that, so definitely make sure you check that out uh if you're listening in for the podcast and all that. So Rick, what a great conversation uh we are seek go create those three words. And uh, my final question is, I'm going to give you one of those words. You're going to have to pick one over the other two. Mm. Which word resonates the most, means the most to Rick right now over, uh, over the other two? Seek, go, or create, and why? And that will be my final question.
1: Mm. Well, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, always a fan of, of logic. And there's, to me, such a depth of logic to those three words, why those three words and that order, so I really appreciate that. Um, I sense the thoughtfulness into that, and and it's so so hard to pick any of those three. But I'm also a fan of the of the order of operations of things. And I think that you know so much we try to knock down the third domino before we knock down the first two. So I'm going to go seek because I think it all starts there, and very little happens if you don't start there. And um, I want to honor that seek step, and uh, really resonates with me.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Rick. Uh, for some reason, I'm not surprised by that response. That n- makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rick, I so appreciate the conversation we've had. And uh, I, I knew I would enjoy it. I have enjoyed it 3x beyond what I thought I would. And so appreciate the conversation we've had. I highly recommend if you're listening that you go get the book Unleashed. As I said at the beginning, I've read this book over the last three days. It fits so well with the theme of all that we do here at Seek Go Create, in redefining success and just becoming all that you're created to be. So, go get the book. We've got all the links and in, in any of the notes that you're consuming the uh, the podcast or or the YouTube or whatever you're on. And so, make sure you go do that. Which I also want to remind you. That if you are a listener of SeatGoCreate, if you go to SeatGoCreate.com and find the episode page, each episode has extensive notes. We have someone outline in detail with timestamps so that you could go back and re-listen to some of the responses that Rick gave and phenomenal responses. Also, all of the resources mentioned, any book, any podcast, anything that was brought up, there are links to that on the resource page there, on the episode page. So make sure you go check that out and uh, and communicate with us. We'd love to hear any response back. So thank you for listening in. We have new episodes every Monday. This is Seek, Go Create. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.